Amen. Lord, we bless your name. We exalt you. You are our King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you, Father, for working in us according to your plan and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's make our confession before you're seated. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of the healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you can be seated. I'm going to start this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Where Paul talks about the demonstration of the Spirit that he emphasized when he was with the Corinthians, he's referring to a desire that all men, not just the Corinthians, when he was with them, but that all men would have their faith in the power of God. The demonstration of the Spirit and the power is what Paul emphasized rather than his own teaching and the things that God had revealed to him. He tells the Corinthians in the second letter that he writes to them, the second letter we have record of, he identifies to them the persecution that came against him because of the abundance of revelation. He calls it his thorn in the flesh, but he identifies that it's referring to persecution. Christ hasn't redeemed us from persecution, unfortunately. The Bible says, they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted. Jesus said, they persecuted me, they'll persecute you too. But it's the demonstration of the spirit and the power that will overcome the obstacles and afflictions and persecutions and so forth that we run into here in this life. Everything that God does, he does by his spirit. You may remember in the second temple building days, Zechariah chapter 4 speaks of the trouble that they ran into and the enemies that stirred up against them when they were building the temple or rebuilding the temple, I guess we should say. And he said, the problems, the mountains will move not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord. We see also in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth became without form and void, and darkness moved upon the face of the deep, 
And the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. Nothing could take place when God created the, the earth until words were spoken. But those words initiated and directed the Spirit of God to perform the creation of the earth. There are a lot of things that we could talk about and uh, a lot of things I want to point out this morning concerning the demonstration of the Spirit and power. The demonstration of the Spirit and of power. When Israel was delivered from the bondage of Egypt, the Scripture tells us how this took place. You remember that the Red Sea was parted and the Israelites walked across on dry land. Pharaoh's armies went after him into the divided sea, but then it came back together upon them and destroyed the greatest army, the superpower army of the earth at that point in time. The Bible tells us that after this, great victory was accomplished. The children of Israel showed their lack of character and their lack of trust. There were things that took place with Israel after having seen the ten plagues, after having received the Passover, the institution of the Passover meal and festival, the healing that took place among the people when they kept the Passover. And a lot of times, the Bible talks about the demonstration of the power of God as defense for Moses and Aaron. Exodus chapter 16 tells us that just two and a half months after the Red Sea crossing took place and God delivered the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt, after two and a half months, they began to murmur against Moses and Aaron. Seventy-five days was all it took for them to begin to complain. And the first thing they complained about is they didn't have food. I'm going to start reading in Exodus chapter 16. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron 
said unto the children of Israel, At evening then you shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt, and in the morning then you shall see the glory of the Lord. Folks, the demonstration of the Spirit is the glory of God. And in the morning then you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears, heareth your murmurings against the Lord, and what are we that you murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full. For that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Skip down to verse 10. And it came to pass as Aaron spake unto the children, uh, spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard my, the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At evening you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at evening the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. The children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron, almost continuously, or at least it seems that way from the reading of the scripture and the number of instances that it identifies and refers to. And in most cases, especially in the early days, before the children of Israel had a chance to really get to know God, and it seems that God's mercy was sp uh, spread abroad over the children of Israel because they didn't know God. They had to find out who he was. And again and again and again, it talks about how that the children of Israel began to murmur against Moses and Aaron, and the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord appeared in order to defend them. The scripture goes on. It tells us more about these things in Exodus chapter 15. I'm sorry, chapter 17, verse 1, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide you with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with, those, take with thee the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, and take in hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is, is the Lord among us or not? Over and over and over again, God provides for them. He provides manna, he provides quail. But the complaints of the children of Israel that are recorded in the scripture are interesting to me. 
because it's almost like they forgot they were slaves in Egypt. Every time they come into a place where there's difficulty or lack of some provision, they complain uh, because of what they don't have. And they go back in their minds or in their complaining to the time that they were in Egypt under bondage, slaves to the people of Egypt, slaves to Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. And they talk about their time of captivity like it was some kind of pleasant experience. Oh, if only we could go back to Egypt and sit by the flesh pots and eat bread till we're full. They had very little respect for the freedom that they had experienced brought brought uh, brought on by Moses and obedience to God's word. It goes on and tells us another time that the glory of the Lord or the demonstration of the Spirit took place in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Here's a demonstration of the Spirit that brought Israel victory over their enemies by the uplifted arms and rod that was a symbol of the work of God upon Moses. This rod was the same rod that he stretched out over the Red Sea to part the waters so that Israel could go across on dry land. So we see another demonstration of the Spirit In Numbers, chapter 13 and 14, it tells us that the children of Israel came to the edge of the promised land, and Moses sent 12 spies over into the promised land to check things out. And they came back with a glowing report of the land. They came back with a cluster of grapes that was so big they had to carry it between two people on a pole. They bring other fruit and um, as evidence of the land that flows with milk and honey. But the children of Israel listened to the majority report. Ten of the twelve spies said they couldn't take the land. Two of them, Joshua and um, Caleb, said that they could do it. They tried to encourage the people to do it. But they lifted up their voice and cried, the Bible says in Numbers chapter 14, that all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, 
Would God we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And folks, they just have been complaining that it looked like they were going to die in the wilderness. But God's provision preserved them and stayed them and brought them healing waters and healing food. Verse 3, And wherefore has the Lord brought us out of this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let him return us to return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is a good land, an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flowed with milk and honey. Only rebel ye not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their t defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Apparently it wasn't too late. Even the next day, after the people of Israel believed the majority report, the ten spies report, that the people were too strong in that land for them to overcome, for Israel to overcome, Joshua and Caleb still tried to encourage them, still tried to influence them to stand upon God's word and to do what he said to take the land. But verse 10 says, this is when they made their fatal mistake. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared into the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will these people provoke me? For how long will it be before they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed unto them, I will smite them with a pestilence and will disinherit them. And I will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. Moses interceded for the people to, pre to preserve their lives. He made an atonement for them. And they were delivered by God the Father under the punishment of spending 40 days, 40 years in the wilderness. The Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 16. It tells us about Korah's rebellion. Verse 1, Now Korah the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, and the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Ibarim, the sons of Ediab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, and men of renown. This isn't just some small group that decides to rebel against God. This is the cream of the crop. The people that are famous, the people that have accomplished things, men of renown, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift ye up yourselves among, 
above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. And he spake unto Korah and unto all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will send those who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him whom he has chosen will he cause to come near unto them. This do, take you censers, Korah and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord does choose, he shall be holy. You take too much upon you, you sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you that look. I lost it. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, You take too much upon you, seeing you all the congregation are holy, and every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift you up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Skip down to verse 8. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, you sons of Levi, seem that a small, Seemeth it but a small thing unto you, that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation and minister unto them. He has brought them nearer to him, and all the brethren of the sons of Levi with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also, for which cause does both you and thy company are gathered together against Moses, against the Lord, and what is Aaron that you murmur against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, We will not come up. It is but a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that flows with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself a prince altogether a prince over us. Moreover, thou hast not brought us into the land which flows with milk and honey and given us an inheritance of field or vineyard. We will, put out the eyes, will we put out the eyes of this man? They will not come up. They're the ones that have refused to take the promised land and they're blaming Moses for it. And Moses was very wroth and spoke unto the Lord, Respect not thou their offering. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. So God gives him a plan. In verse 19 it says, Gora gathered all the congregation against them under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. Here's the manifested demonstration of the Spirit. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O God, you God of spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses rose And Moses rose up and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto them unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby shall you know 
that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own hand. Now, folks, remember what we're doing here. We're looking at the time when the demonstration of the Spirit was in evidence. So you've got some of the greatest, most well-respected people standing against Moses and Aaron. And Moses, at the direction of God, says this in verse 29. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the true visitation of all men, then shall then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open up her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick unto the pit, then shall you understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder under, that was under them. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went alive, went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, Let the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest, that he take up the censers out of the burning and scatter thou the fire under, for they are hallowed. Skip down to verse 41. But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Now they're blaming it on Moses. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, the cloud, co the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you out from among them, this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer, and put fire thereon, therein from off this altar, and put on incense, and go quickly un, uh, um, unto the congregation, and there make an atonement for them. For there the wrath is gone out from the Lord, and the plague is begun. And so the Bible tells us that Aaron made this atonement for the children of Israel, but 14,700 of them died because they stood against Moses after Moses was clearly shown by the Lord through the earth opening up and swallowing Korah and his associates, his family and his associates. Paul wanted the Corinthians to be aware and to be see his proof by the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. The demonstration of the Spirit or the manifestation of the Spirit is identified by the glory of the Lord. And the Bible says that God's coming back for a glorious church. He's coming back for a church that operates in the demonstration of the Spirit
and of all the things that we can read in the Old Testament about God showing himself, manifesting his glory, there are times in the life of Israel that the glory of the Lord was called upon to defeat the enemies of Israel and to give victory to the people of God. I want to read another story, Second Chronicles chapter 20. Here's a time when Jehoshaphat is king of Israel. And they're beset upon by enemy armies. Verse 1. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them others besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. There came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in some place which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and to proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Out of all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest thou not over the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Now, folks, if you want to see a prayer that brings the glory of God on the scene, this is it. Art not, art not thou our God, who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built, their, the, built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil comes upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, which thou would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. Here's a demonstration of the spirit and power. And said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid or dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. And you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. The morrow, 
go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and with the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God in Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. As, as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy one another. And when Judah came down, came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. Folks, I love that prayer. It's a prayer that brings forth the word and the promises of God back to him. God said, let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Paul said, I came to you not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power. Now, of all the things we could look at, and really every example of the victory of God, of the power of God shown, both Old Testament and New Testament, is a result of the Spirit of God demonstrating Himself. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost separates or divides to each of us manifestations of the Holy Ghost, demonstrations of the Spirit, in other words. For God to be seen as the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the deliverer from our enemies. Now, of all the things that we could look at and show as an example of the Holy Ghost moving to bring the children of Israel into victory. The greatest example, in my opinion, that we have is in John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, we've got a story of a man that was healed at the pool by the sheep markets. John chapter 5, verse 1, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and, Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, 
having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season under the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever was the first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of what disease, whatever disease he had. It's amazing how God's mercy will lead him to take action, to show himself as a good God, to show himself as the healer of our bodies. Now, this is pretty straightforward and pretty simple. It tells us that an angel would come down and trouble the water. It doesn't tell us that they saw the angel, but they are looking for the troubling of the water. There was no set schedule, apparently, for when it would take place because these people are laid daily at this sheep market, the Pool of Bethesda by the sheep market. Now, of all the things God could do, of all the things God wants to do, Here's an example of the miracle working power of God that will affect a healing and a cure from every sickness and every disease. There was no type of numbering system for people to get in line like we would have at the post office or at Baskin Robbins or something. It doesn't require the first, first person in to be a Jew and not a Gentile. I have a hard time imagining how they originally find out about the angel troubling the water without an appearance by the angel. How would they know? And how would they assume that water being stirred up, rippling of the water, how would they expect or find out that the waters had healing properties once the angel stirred it up? And what's the end result of the angel troubling the water? What does it show? Other than God being a God of healing. Why the angel would stir the waters. When the only result. Would be for people to be healed indiscriminately. Can't you imagine the toilet, the tumult of somebody with a headache jumping down in front of somebody that's crippled? I'm sure from the conversation Jesus has with this guy that he's not a rich man. 
He doesn't have somebody that he's hired to get into the water. So when Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda, And finds this man, verse 5, And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I am coming down, another steps down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. This man sees his lack as being a man to put him into the water that's troubled. But Jesus was a man that put him into the healing power of God. Now folks, again, what has God gained from this? What is the purpose for the angels stirring the water? How often does he have to do it to keep people's attention? Do you have to do it once a week or once a month? It would be nice if we had some testimonies of people that were there that were delivered but there's absolutely nothing else told us about this other than God producing a supernatural way for people to be healed of their sickness and disease Now, why would God want to identify himself as the healer if he's not willing to heal everybody? Here it says, the first one in after the troubling of the water was healed of whatsoever disease he had. So it doesn't matter whether it's a severe case of sickness and disease or a minor ailment. The first one in receives healing for his body, no matter what the problem is or what the disease is that has afflicted him. Now, I wonder if God's through with showing himself as the healing creator of the universe. The only thing that results from this is that God is magnified by sending healing by virtue of an angel troubling the water. How did the people find out that that was the case? How do they know it's an angel that's troubling the water? How do they know that the first one in, or how did they identify in the beginning of this that the first one in gets healed? But the real question 
is how much does God want to heal his people to do something like this? Now Jesus comes upon this guy that's been infirm for 38 years. It doesn't tell us whether or not he was born with the infirmity that he has or that something happened somewhere in his life that caused him to be infirmed. But Jesus comes to him and says, Wilt thou be made whole? Why is Jesus identifying or asking questions of this guy to find out his will? Clearly the man knows that he could be healed if he was just quick enough to be the first one in. But here's a demonstration of the Spirit and the power, a demonstration of the Holy Ghost that manifests in the power over sickness and disease. Just because God wants to show himself to be good, just because God wants to show himself to be the healer of all sickness and disease, Jesus is searching for faith on the part of the, the man. Wilt thou be made whole? He doesn't find faith in the, in the man. He doesn't find a confession of this guy. He, the man, for example, could have answered, I'm having trouble being the first one in, but somehow I'm going to make it. Somehow I'm going to be the first one in. Now, folks, if, that, if something like that would happen today, we'd have people with guns ready to use if anybody tried to get in front of them into the water. And I don't doubt at all that when the water is troubled, there's a lot of scrapping and fighting and some sort of violence to try to get somebody into the water before somebody else. It doesn't seem that there's any concern on the part of other people that are there. We don't have anybody saying, well, I need it just as much as you do, but you've been in this case for 38 years. Here, you go first. This is one of the greatest demonstrations of the Spirit that I think we have record of in the Bible.
Jesus said to the man, Wilt thou be made whole? The infinite man answered, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. And he answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, What man is it that said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Now if this guy has heard of Jesus, he doesn't know enough about him to, to identify that's who he is. By virtue of the fact that he's got a bed there that he carries, it doesn't seem likely that he would be somebody that could hear of Jesus or had heard of Jesus and becomes a part of the company following him around for healing. He's apparently not in a position where he's able to travel. So he doesn't have any faith in Jesus. We don't have any indication that he's heard of Jesus. Certainly not that he believes in him. And Jesus conveyed himself away from the multitude that was there. Can you imagine if Jesus had stayed there and the man that was healed had been questioned and talked about, talked to? It would have created a riot of people trying to get Jesus to do something for them and to help them. It would have been a great opportunity for Jesus to start teaching and teaching about healing, being part of the gospel of the kingdom. But because Jesus didn't have anything to do with it, because faith was not evident on the part of the individual that was healed Jesus left the whole crowd afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said unto him behold thou art made whole sin no more lest the worst thing come upon thee the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole and therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day They've already made up their mind they want to kill this guy. Now, in my opinion, that's a little bit extreme for doing something on the Sabbath day that they thought was unlawful. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he had not only broken the Sabbath but said also that God was his father making himself equal with God then answered Jesus and said unto them verily verily I say unto you the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do for what things soever that he doeth these also doeth the son likewise 
For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that he himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that you may, be, that you may marvel. It's interesting to me that Jesus starts talking about his authority. The Jews are upset with him because he's done something on the Sabbath day that they think violates the law of Moses. But Jesus simply answers, I work when my father works. So he says, the son can do nothing of himself. He's saying it wasn't his power that healed the man. It wasn't something that he did. And it certainly wasn't faith on the part of the individual. It's a demonstration of the Spirit of God and power. Now, folks, if this is the way that it worked in Jesus' day, it's the way that it works today. If God's desire to be known as a God of healing, if it caused an angel to trouble the water to show people that God is on their side, to show people that God is willing to heal no matter how severe the condition or how difficult the circumstances. If that's the God he was in Jesus' day, then that's the God he has to be today. Now most of the times in the Bible, the 19 individual cases of healing in Jesus' ministry If you examine them and see the story that's related to us in the Gospels, the four Gospels, about 75% of them were healed on their own faith. So we're, we're big on emphasizing faith, believing God's Word, holding fast to God's Word, confessing His Word, and so forth. But we need to keep in mind that sometimes God initiates something on His own too. Here's a man that was healed after 38 years of this infirmity, whatever it was. Must have been something crippling. But beyond that, I don't know how we would identify what it could be. Was Jesus looking for the person that had been sick the longest? It said Jesus knew in, in his own heart, knew of himself, that the man had been in this case for a long time. So is that what he's looking for? Is he looking for somebody that's been in this case for a long time? It seems that he just went to the one the Holy Ghost prompted him to go to. 
But he identifies that it wasn't his authority that did the work. The son can do nothing of himself, he said. But whatsoever he seeth his father do, that's what he does. And folks, we started making a confession that this is our year of jubilee. And the principle of the jubilee is every man restored to his possessions. So I believe, like never before, that we need to put our faith on the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Healings initiated by the Holy Spirit, and not just those that we believe for from the Word of God. This man had a tough go from the religious leaders being against Jesus and anything and everything that he did. And because Jesus told the man, not, not even really because he healed the man, but because he told him to rise, take up his bed and walk. That was sufficient activity For the Jews to desire to slay Jesus. They wanted to kill Jesus because he got one guy healed. They want to kill Jesus because of the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. They want to kill Jesus because he's instigated or influenced a man that was crippled who is now made whole to carry his bed and to carry it away. I don't know of a, a greater example that we have that shows the world's hatred of the goodness of God But what about today? Is the Holy Ghost still in the influencing and the healing business? Has the Holy Ghost lost his power to initiate healing? Will thou be made whole, Jesus asked him. Sir, I have no man to put me in the water. Someone comes before me and gets in there first. Jesus just simply said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Healing instituted or instigated by the Holy Ghost. that shows God clearly to be a God of healing. For him to be Jehovah Rapha, 
I am the God that healeth thee. I'm praying for a wave of Holy Ghost initiated healing to sweep through our church. I've never seen it before like I do now. Now, folks, we have healings and, and different things that are happening frequently. We had a, an email from a guy who he and his wife have been watching us on TV for a couple of years. He was diagnosed with cancer of the lung. And he acted on the principles of faith that are outlined in the scripture in the lung. The cancer disappeared from his lung. He was set to go into surgery. And they did one final x-ray before they put him on the operating table. And the cancer was gone. So we're not strangers to healing. We're not strangers to operating in faith to receive healing. But I'm looking for more. We're not going to stop teaching on faith. We're not going to stop teaching on the importance of what you say your confession, and so forth. But I'm looking for Holy Ghost-initiated works, too. I've seen in prayer, times of prayer, people in our church being healed by the wave of the Holy Ghost coming through, through our congregation. I don't know what, it, what you'd call them other than little visions. But I've seen people take their faith as far as they can on their own and then met by the manifestation of the Holy Ghost to bring them into fullness and restoration. This is our year of jubilee. I expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. I'm believing for financial miracles and miracles of healing in the name of Jesus. I'm looking for the Holy Ghost to do something to stir people up. Just like the waters were troubled in this case, John chapter 5, at the pool of Bethesda, I'm looking for God to stir, specifically the Holy Spirit, to stir the congregation of Foothill Family Church. I hope you're joining together with me in that, believe in that too. That's the reason why we're making the confession. God is a good God. 
He's a healing God. He wants you to be healed more than you want to be healed. He wants a glorious church more than we do. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, Paul said, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power. That your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love you because you are good. You've never been anything other than faithful. You've never let us down. You've never failed to come through on our behalf. Holy Spirit, we ask you to manifest yourself in this place, among these people. Demonstrate your healing goodness. your healing mercy Father we claim healing from the top of our head to the soles of our feet inside and out healing for every sickness and every disease signs and wonders and miracles in the name of Jesus. Glorify your name, Lord. And we ask for you to give us boldness to speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Father, we want it to be just as it says in Matthew chapter 9. It's never been like this before. When Jesus healed the sick, the people said, it's never been like this before. We ask for the same thing. That everyone within our church and even outside of our church would declare it's never been like this before the healing power of God is manifested 
signs and wonders and miracles are done. Work initiated by the Holy Spirit. To restore us to divine health. And to heal all our wounds. Thank you, Father. We know we're praying your will in this. And so we thank you for hearing us and bringing it to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's say our confession one more time. Won't you stand together with us? We'll see if they can put it back up for us. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Spirit and power. We expect in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you folks.